Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth, and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. In our last few studies, we've been talking about uh, what happened in creation after the first sin. And, uh, and we've talked a lot about the problems that happened when human beings were alienated from God because of sin. I'm glad to say that today we're starting a new program and we're going to talk about not the problem anymore, but we're going to begin talking about the solution. So in the next three programs, we're going to be talking about God's solution for sin that comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so uh, today we'll start out in the Gospel of John. And before we do, as always, let's go to the Lord and ask His blessing over this program today. Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You that You didn't just leave us alienated from You and uh, alone in our sin, but that You loved us. And while we were yet sinners, You sent Jesus to die for us. Thank You for Your gift. Thank You for Your love. And thank You for uh, never giving up on us, Lord. We love you for that. Bless our study today and pray that uh, whoever is listening today, Lord, would find a blessing through the study that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to begin uh, in, in the beginning like we did in Genesis. Only this time it's going to be the, new, the beginning of God's new creation that comes through Jesus. And I'll read in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so when God decided to start again and to bring new hope into creation after the fall through Adam and Eve, He started out where he started before, which was in the beginning. And, and the solution was there with God in the beginning, even before time began. And so in the beginning was the Word. And I like to use the word message here to give a little bit better description and understanding of, of what the Scripture is saying. And the way you can look at it is, uh, have you ever gotten word about something that's happened uh, in your life or in your family or, or some kind of news that's gone in your life? People will say, have you heard? Did you get word that this happened? Well, this is what God is getting at here in the scripture. In the beginning, God had a message, a message of good news from the beginning of time. God knew that this fall was going to happen and God had a message for his people. And then he goes on to say, the, the word, the message was with God, and the message was God. So that God's message is so intertwined in God's person that the message and God are inseparable. And the message itself, the message is God. And God was in, the message was in the beginning with God. So, so the message, the word, was there in the beginning with God uh, and uh, was there before time. And then also the message is the creator we see through the gospel of John. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
So the message also is the creator. So the message himself is the creator. And then he goes on to say, in him was life. So the word is life. You find the source of life in the word. And, uh, and this life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. And what this means is that since the time of Adam and Eve, the world has been living in the darkness of sin. And uh, darkness and sin also means confusion. And so since that time of the first sin, people have been confused about their purpose for life, where, what direction they're going, why am I here? And what, what we hear here in the Gospel of John is that in the midst of the darkness came the light. The message is also the light. And in him, we find direction, and we find hope, and we find peace. And nowhere else can we find that peace. And so let's get a little bit more. John 1, uh, and we're going to read verses 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John came for testimony to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so he starts out here talking about John the Baptist. And so here he's talking about John the Baptist, not John, the one who wrote this gospel. And so he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So John was also sent from God. And John came to, to uh, he came for testimony to bear witness to the light, it says. And if you think about these words, testimony and witness, it makes me think about a trial. And so uh, a, a witness in a trial gives testimony about whatever the matter is at hand before the court. Here, John is the witness. John is the witness, and his testimony to the people was about, about Jesus Christ. His, his testimony was about the Word, and uh, his testimony was for people to hear about Jesus and know that he was coming and also know that the one who was coming was the long-awaited Messiah, who through, through whom God would save the world. And so he came to bear witness to the light, and he was not the light, John tells us, uh, but he came to bear witness to the light. So he wants to make sure that the people in his day when he was writing this know John wasn't the one who was sent to save the world. He wasn't the light. John, on the other hand, was the one who was to point to the light who was to come. And the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. And then the scripture then gives us a further description about who this true light, the message of God, the word of God is. He was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world knew him not. And so uh, the creator came into the very presence of his creation and yet he was rejected and despised by men, Isaiah tells us. Uh, and then he came to his own home, and his own people received him not. And so Jesus went back home to Nazareth, which was his hometown. 
and the people in the town didn't receive him as Savior. But it says, it goes on and says, but to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the power to become children of God. Uh, children who were not born, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so here's the good news for us. Uh, to all who believe in him, who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the power to become children of God. And uh, you'll hear people today, people who, don't, who aren't Christian, who don't believe in him, they'll say, they'll say, aren't we all the children of God? Didn't God make all of us? And that's true. We were God's children, especially in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. When things were perfect, we were all connected to God as his children. Adam and Eve were. But because of their sin, they were alienated from God and cast out of the family of God. But God didn't leave us there. We're the descendants of Adam and Eve. We are born children of a broken creation. But to all who believe in Jesus, he gives the power to become children of God. So if today, by the grace of God through faith in him, if you're a believer in Jesus, then you are part of the family of God. You are one of God's children. And that happens only through faith. Uh, and that's what our scripture tells us. It's only by faith that we become part of the family of God. And so uh, this was not, uh, this is not like being born into your own family, which is about being born in the flesh into a family, but through faith, we are born again into the family of God. And, uh, and so let's get some more. We're going to start in John chapter uh, 1. Verse 14 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness we all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, has made him known. And so he starts out by saying, the Word became flesh. This is so important because now it becomes even clearer for you, I hope, that you see that the Word that this scripture is talking about, the Word of God, the message of God, became a human being. And that human being was none other than God's only beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He became a human being just like us with flesh and bones and, uh, and, and he dwelt among us. So he came and lived among us on this earth. And it says that uh, he came full of grace and full of truth. And grace is that love of God, that unconditional love of God, even for sinful people. And he came also full of truth. Now truth we think about truth a lot of times more kind of like a in a like I said before in a court case. You know, you either tell the truth or you lie. But in this case, the word uh, has a deeper meaning than just truth. It's more like reality. He came full of grace and reality. Reality about the human condition. Reality about who God is. And he came to tell us the truth about ourselves and about God, and to show us that God had hope for us as fallen sinners 
through faith in Him. That was the reality that He came to tell us. He came full of grace and truth. We had beheld His glory, glorious of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to Him. He says, again, going back to John, and John said, This was He whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for He was before me. And so again, He's saying, I'm not the Messiah. The one who's coming is the Messiah. And then he goes on to say, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. One blessing after another came, comes to us through faith in Jesus. And then he says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only son, the message, the word of God, is it, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. So, remember these, these points. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to talk about for the remainder of the show. And so, the law was given through Moses, and the law simply says this. It is God's ideal for creation. And when Jesus was asked to sum up the law, he said, the law is summed up in this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And so when he says all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength, what he's saying there is that God calls us to love him, neighbor, and self with a perfect love, a love that is perfect in every way without flaw. And there are people living today who believe that they can actually do this, that they can be perfect enough to earn God's love. We know through the scripture that we can't, but people still believe that. And so they're idealist about themselves and idealist about God. And these people who believe that they can be perfect by following the laws of God are what you could call the legalist, or even another more common word would be perfectionist. They believe that they can attain perfection through their own behavior. And so life under the law is a hard way for people to live because we know that nothing is perfect. We're not perfect. God's creation is no longer perfect as a result of sin. Only God is perfect. And people who think that they can be perfect and measure up to God's expectation of the law are always frustrated. There's frustration for them because people and things in this world aren't right. And so uh, a perfectionist is always frustrated because nothing's ever perfect. And so they set an impossible goal for themselves and spend their whole lives being frustrated because they can never quite measure up to what their goal is. And not only then are they frustrated with themselves, but they hold other people accountable to their, to their unrealistic expectations, and then they get frustrated with them. And in order to deal with that frustration, this results in, in rejection for, for the people around them. If if I'm a perfectionist and you always let me down, then somehow or other I have to get rid of you so that I'm not so frustrated all the time. And uh, they get rid of imperfect people and imperfect things. This then leads to alienation. So if I reject enough people and enough things in my life, before you know it, I'm alone. And, and that alienation can show up in divorce, separation, 
quitting your job or just leaving whatever it is, a relationship that you're involved in. And the more that you do that, your world then becomes smaller and smaller to the point to where eventually you're alone. And you reject people, you reject God, because God then, as a result of all of these things, you're, you're thinking, well, uh, God made all this mess to begin with. It's all God's fault that things are this way, so I'll just get rid of God. And then when you don't have God to blame any longer for the mess that everything's in, you begin to blame yourself and your own life, and this leads to despair. And when a person gets to this point where there's no one else for them to turn to, nowhere else for them to go, that's a horrible point to be at in life. And many times when a person gets to this point of despair, that's when they become suicidal. And so I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine who was, who was this way. He thought that in order to be, good, to be uh, acceptable to God, he had to be perfect. And he held people around him to this same kind of uh, unrealistic expectations. Uh, where it mostly showed up was in his work. So that uh, he could never find a job that was Christian enough for him. Because every time he would start a new job, somebody would say something. His boss would say something that was wrong or say something that he was offended by. And every time that happened, he would quit and begin to look for a new job. You see this a lot of times also in churches. Uh, people get involved in a church. Somebody does something that offends them. Well, they'll just reject it and keep going around. And before you know it, they're hopping from church to church. And they, they never find one that's perfect enough for them. But my friend, back to that story, my friend then uh, uh, quit job after job to the point to where he couldn't find a job anymore. And he stayed out of work for several years. And that led to all kinds of frustration in his family and in his own life and brought him to the point of despair in his life. And um, whenever you think that you have to be perfect or that, or that people around you have to be perfect to be acceptable, you're always going to end up frustrated and you're always going to end up alone because creation and people are not perfect. And so the law came through Moses and people who try to live up through their own strength, live up to the expectation of the law, will be the ones who are always frustrated, the perfectionists. But he goes on to say that the law came through Moses, but grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. You remember I said the law itself was ideal. But Jesus, even though Jesus is creator, Jesus is not an idealist about his creation. He's not an idealist at all. And he's a realist about it, but he's full of grace. He's full of that perfect love for imperfect people. He's a realist about human beings, about man. He's, he says that he knows that all are imperfect. He's a realist about sickness and unfairness and death. He doesn't hide from those things or act as though they're not there. He addresses them in the scripture. You can see D Jesus dealt with sickness and he dealt with the unfair behavior of the religious leaders over the people. He's also a realist about death, evil, 
the devil in hell. He's not an idealist about, about what will happen to people who don't believe in him. But he's also a realist about God. And he gives us that message. The message who became flesh is a realist and he tells us the truth about who God is. He's a realist about God's perfect and gracious love for imperfect people. He's a realist about God's power over disease and death and God's promise to make everything right in the coming kingdom. And he's a realist about God's defeat of evil and the devil. Jesus is a realist about those things and he doesn't want to uh, be all pie in the sky to us about what this life is going to be like. But he wants to meet us in the middle of his broken creation and offer us a new way of living by the grace of God through faith in him. And so as a result of this, a Christian then is a realist who lives by grace. And even for us today who live by grace, there's still frustration for all of us. Things aren't right in this world still, even though we live by grace. People and things People will let us down and we'll be disappointed by things that happen in our lives. But instead of rejecting everything that's not perfect, we can have acceptance and forgiveness because God accepts us and forgives us as imperfect people. And when we receive that acceptance and forgiveness, we then can become accepting and forgiving of people around us. And then as a result of that acceptance and forgiveness, God reconciles us to himself and God reconciles us to other people so that we can have a relationship with imperfect people then because we too are imperfect and forgiven and blessed by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. And as a result of this, we can have friends now. We can have friends who are reconciled. We can have friends and they can let us down and know that even if that happens, there's forgiveness. We can forgive and be restored, and, um, and we can have imperfect people, friends. They're not perfect, but they're gracious. And it also is comfortable to me because I know I'm not perfect, and if, if I let someone down who's a Christian, that I know I can go to them and ask for forgiveness, and they'll give me grace and forgiveness because they themselves have received it. And as a result of this, instead of living through frustration, which leads to despair, we can rejoice. We can rejoice in people. We can rejoice in God because I know that God doesn't have realistic expectations of me. God just calls me to believe in Jesus and receive his grace and forgiveness as an imperfect person. And then I can rejoice in life. Then instead of despair, I can leave with, leave, live in hope. And this sets a new standard of me for living. Instead of having a, an impossible goal of perfection to live up to, through faith in Jesus, I can still have a high goal for myself, but my goal then becomes excellence. And when, when I fall short of that excellence, I know that the Lord is still there for me. And when I go to him and ask for forgiveness, he'll forgive me and still love me, even though I'm not perfect. And so you might be wondering, well, what about, what about people who don't respond to grace? What about you're living with someone and you're gracious and you're forgiving, to them, forgiving of them and their, their bad behavior, but their bad behavior never changes 
and they keep doing the same thing, hurtful things over and over again. What about those kinds of situations? People who don't respond to grace. Well, then you have extreme frustration. Not just a little bit of frustration, but frustration in the extreme. Uh, you keep forgiving and keep trying, but the behavior never changes. And so they take advantage of grace and their behavior doesn't change. So uh, what do you do then? Well, then it calls, God calls us to a different kind of love. Uh, some people call it tough love and judgment. And what tough love is, is that you allow people to experience their consequences of their own behavior. And so you let them go then and experience the consequences of their behavior by withdrawing your support from them. And you'll hope as a result of that, by them experiencing those consequences, that they'll wake up and change their minds and change their behavior. Uh, this kind of tough love is also in the Bible what's called judgment, the judgment of God. And even the judgment of God comes out of the love of God because God judges so that we, in this life, so that we might have an opportunity to change our behavior and come back to Him. And uh, I've seen this a lot of times in parents who are dealing with really troubled teenagers. And, uh, and 